Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where the events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the 456th show of ROI. Our guest for today's show is Dr. Kathleen Voida, author, adjunct prof, and the University of Iowa, and retired member of the USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service, who is going to talk to us about Iowa's remarkable soils, the story of the most valuable resource and how we can save it. The history buffs for today's show are Ed Broders and Rick Sweet. The show's theme song is titled Kayla's Theme, which was written and performed by Mark Zap Zaptel. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Uh, to begin with, we'd like to welcome our guest to the show, Dr. Kathleen Voida. How are you doing, Kathleen? I'm doing great. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. We call this first segment of the show, uh, this is kind of a combination of Farouk Denarin and History is Local because um, I grew up a farm boy. So uh, as far as soil is concerned, you mm-hmm. can't get any more local than that. So can you start us off with some basic information of what makes Iowa's soil so remarkable? Yeah, you know, originally when um, when I was writing this book, I had in mind a title like Iowa's Greatest Treasure, um, but they, they thought that was a little over the top. But, you know, it really is. I mean, I don't know. I just don't think a lot of people realize that we started with, and in many places we still have the best soils on the planet. And, I mean, how many things can you say about Iowa that we have the greatest in the world? You know, I mean, well, the just, greatest radio show, but besides that, not much more. Well, I give yeah, you that. Besides that yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up in Michigan where the soils were all rocky um, and quite thin where I grew up. And, um, you know, when I came to Iowa, I traveled all over the state with my job and I, uh, it really became apparent to me that the, the quality of the soils here, and, you know, we we had something like 75 to 80 percent of our um, uh, state was prairie at one time, before about 1850. And then in something like 70 years, a lifetime, it was all gone, except for we had like 80, some 75, 80 million acres of prairie. And now we have, I don't know, like 30,000 or something, uh, less than a tenth of a percent. And it's those it's the prairie that made Iowa soils so phenomenal uh, because of the deep roots. And I know a lot of people that live here have heard a lot about prairie. Um, but yeah, the, the the deep roots that many of the roots the root hairs decay uh, each year. So they keep adding organic matter to the soil, uh, and so you have a horizons or, or topsoils that are really really thick. Um, you know, as much as 25 inches thick, a couple of feet. So there are still places in the state where they're like that. But agriculture, and I'm not talking about agriculture before 19 or before 1850, but um, you know, even up to about 1930, and then in the 50s, agriculture really took off. Um, and fertilization with um, synthetic fertilizers, uh, suddenly p- people didn't have to worry about the organic matter in their soil. Uh, they were feeding it with with fertilizers, and you know it's interesting because I've uh, talked to people who have been to Europe and the farmers there. They're probably getting a little bit off topic here, but they they have to worry about their organic matter. 
it's not that they don't use fertilizers, but the government does not subsidize them if, they're fa- if their crops fail. And so they have to be concerned about the quality of their soils, the health of their soils. And here, I mean, in my opinion, uh, the federal government is basically subsidizing crop failure because farmers, you know, if their crops fail, they get paid for, for them anyway. Um, so there's not a lot of incentive. Uh, and so in a, that's I, Go on, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I, I wrote the book because, you know, traveling around the state in my job, I, as a geologist, I'm not a soil scientist, but I worked a lot with soil scientists, and I worked in a lot of different capacities with soils. Um, and so, I don't know, a few years before I retired, I just thought, you know, why is nobody writing a book about soils? I know that a lot of people think they're boring, um, that it's just really nerdy to care about soils. You know, whereas people you know, get get excited about prairies, they can get excited about, you know, the birds and wildlife of the state. But soils, I mean, come on, you know, it's just dirt. <laughs> so it's so much more than that. They're incredibly complex. Um, and, they're, you know, they're really a very important part of our state, our state's economy and our, our ecosystems. So that's when I decided, I guess I'm going to write the book because no one else is doing it. And um, that's really, I, I just feel pretty passionate about the subject. Well, and um, um, Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, uh, do you think um, in some aspects we are, because I grew up on a farm not far from yeah. uh, where we're broadcasting, we are spoiled because I've lived in two uh, countries in Africa where the right. soil isn't even a, a inkling close to ours. Uh, I That's think right. it's just a standard that we we think the rest of the world has. Yeah, we take it for granted. Absolutely. Okay. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in Africa, uh, some of the well, I'll probably leave that for a little later. But you know, there are a lot of improvements that can be made all over the world. But absolutely, the carb. I mean, the soils contain three times as much carbon as the atmosphere, and they contain four and a half times as much plant and animal life. So, you know, they're um, and they can be restored. They can be rebuilt. So that's that's the good news. But there, I guess my point was that it is not spread equally around the planet. You know, areas in in Ukraine, uh, the the breadbasket of of Eurasia, uh, Brazil, uh, Argentina rather, and and here in the upper Midwest is where the best soils are because they're all built or developed in grasslands. Okay. So, you know, that we we have a large proportion of the carbon that's in the soils. We have it right here in Iowa. So I feel that we not only have a an opportunity, but we have a, a we have a responsibility to preserve what we have and to rebuild what we've lost. Okay. We have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on station KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. The KALA website is your one-stop spot to find out more about your favorite radio station. Submit a public service announcement. Catch up on news about KALA. And listening to any of our three stations, 885-1061 or The Stinger, is just a click away. Visit KALAFM.org. That's KALAFM.org. 
Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the second segment of our show, which is referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Dr. Kathleen Voida, author, adjunct professor at the University of Iowa, and retired member of the USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service. And we're talking about Iowa's remarkable soils, the story of our first valuable resource, and how we can save it, or I will say it, Iowa's treasure. Uh, Our history buffs for today's show are Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. Ed, as a farmer, why don't you start us off? Um, I prefer the title of resident agronomist, if you will, John. Um, Um, I'll duly noted, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kathleen, uh, can you take us back uh, before the prairies? Um, The prairies had had to have something to work with to to start and for these soils to form. Uh, So can you give us a little history uh, lesson on that as well? Yeah, certainly. Um, You know, you're right. I mean, we had soils before we had prairies. And they, I mean, some of the, most of the soils in Iowa began forming probably 11,000, 12,000 years ago after the last of the glaciers uh, retreated. And in much of the state, it was was much earlier than that. And so prairies are not static. They they change with, with their environment. So the the soils we have today were were much influenced by prairie uh, because it's is imprinted over the earlier because you know we had we went from basically tundra to uh, you know uh, things like larch and the uh, evergreen forests to to uh, you know. Uh, deciduous woods and then eventually we we ended up with sort of a mosaic of deciduous woods and prairies kind of shifting around and um but you know in addition to vegetation it's the the parent material or the geology that's that's critical and much of the state is covered by what everyone here is a german word but we pronounce it luss and everyone's heard of the luss hills out in western iowa where it's very thick 250 feet or more but the rest of the state, most of the state has anywhere from one or two to 10 or 15 feet of luss. And it's very, very pliable and really wonderful soil, very silty, uh, with just enough clay to make it, uh, give it good, uh, what's called cation exchange capacity. It, it gives it good chemistry. So that is that was a large role, too. And that, but that, that all came down between about 40,000 and uh, maybe 16,000. 15,000 years ago. Um, and then ever since then, we haven't had any new geology. Um, we've, you know, the southern half of the state is old, really old glacial tills from much older glaciers, like half a million years old or older. And so landscapes have developed on, on all of these deposits. Um, so all of our soils are basically, uh, you know, at least as old as 11,000 years. Rick. Kathleen, I I was, uh, I'm a frustrated amateur geologist. I came from mining. 
uh, John and Ed both oh, okay. come from <laughs> both come from. Uh, yeah, we're on top. He's below. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. we're the foundation, right? <laughs> Mine, mine's hard rock. There's soil, <laughs> or we call okay. it dirt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know, I know. <clears throat> you mentioned, uh, I mean, I, I my uh, parents love the, they call it Less Hills. I'm glad you called it Love's Hills. But, uh, <laughs> Less Hills, yeah. But the uh, evolution, the chemical ev- evolution of, of the uh, the uh, glacial till and the Less and or Los uh, right. and what have you, how long did it take before we came up with the rich black soil that uh, uh, was Iowa? Uh, in uh-huh. modern times, how long did it take before the chemical? You no, know, it's evolution? not. A, yeah, it's not an easy uh, thing to come up with a number because, like I say, there were soils prior to the prairies, but it wasn't until the climate changed enough for prairies to take root. It had to be warmer and drier to get prairies. That's when we really started to build that black topsoil. But there were soils there. So, you know, the soil formation itself is going on for 10,000 years or more. Sure, sure. But the final um, episode is what gave us the, the black gold, as we call it. Okay. I don't know if that answers your question. Um, it, you know, but when you start from, for instance, if you start from bedrock, it'll take you a good, you know, 8,000 years to get any kind of a soil. But we started, we didn't start with bedrock in our state. We started with glacial till and loss. And so we we could have, those soils probably developed, you know, within a thousand years, but not the way they are today. That that didn't happen until the prairies were in place. And then that probably took another, you know, 500 or a thousand years to get that thick uh, topsoil. Okay. Um, when you're examining the state, uh, we have a, a standard, and I was raising this, and so is Ed on the farm, that, you know, it was right. the best of the best. Um, but when you're examining the state as a whole, what area tends to have in the state the, what you would say, probably the finest quality of topsoil? Because I'm sure that they've uh, they've definitely analyzed it uh, for decades. Oh, yeah. And um, my sure. grandfather said out by, you know, Walcott uh, or out in that area there, which oh. is West Scott County, is, is some right. of the finest in the world. Uh, are there other areas that are at that level or what? which one is king, if we should say? Yeah, the state of I, I would say the, yeah, the northern half of the state um, generally has better soils simply because uh, because of the loss and also... In the southern half of the state, especially once you get away from the western side and the Lost Hills, you get into thinner, less over really dense glacial till. And so those soils, and because it's such a highly um, dissected landscape with lots, you know how it's much hillier it is in the south. Southern, yes, it is. Part, the northeast, too, of course. But um, So, you know, there's. I don't know if you know about the uh, corn suitability index. And that gives a rating to every soil in the state, every soil series, and there's 475 of them. But in general, those southern counties might have a um, corn suitability rating of, you know, 30 or 40, whereas those up in northwest Iowa or up on the Des Moines lobe in the central, north-central part of the state, they'll have corn suitability ratings of in the 90s. Yep. So much, much better. And that, that's a rating for productivity of, you know, corn in this case. But... You know, it, 
it's a it's a combination of not just the the soil but of the topography where you have a lot of steep hills um you know it's you you've got a lot more erosion right. off the tops and slopes so in northwest Iowa south or north central Iowa are a lot flatter and so they tend to have the best soils in the in the state now Scott County has fine soils you know I it kind of depends on what part of Scott County, I think, because it's a little further south. So it's it's on the um, southern Iowa drift plain. What's what it's called? An older what? It's an older landscape. It's the you know half a million years and older. Right. So you know they everybody you know, there's great soils in the whole state, and everybody wants to take responsibility for having the best. Of course, you know it's human nature. Um, you know, I mean. Other than the corn suitability rating, I don't think there is a way that they've been quantified like that. Uh, I was raised at our farm, which is um, kind of not far from the Mississippi. Parts of it is ranked at 70, and the best that it is is at 1.86. Ed, what was you guys' rankings? I mean, I know you guys did it. Um, it varied on our farm, but I'm since I know the Walcott area, I'm going to say that um, anything in most of the soils in the Walcott area are plus 90 on CSR yep. and there's okay. no shortage of, no shortage of stuff. That's probably 94 and up. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I mean, if you're in the nineties, you've got fantastic soil. Right. Ed, you got a question. Um, yeah, I do, John. Um, Kathleen, um, We've got, uh, we're, we should all be aware of the problems associated with industrial agriculture. Um, and you've written, a, and part of your book are, is about practices that certain individuals uh, are using to reverse the trend and improve what's known these days as soil health. Um, That's correct, yeah. and I've not And I've not read your book. Um, but most of this stuff, not much of it is new. It's all stuff that we've known for a long, long time. It's just that, as you point out, chemical fertilizers and weed control and the obsession with row crops uh, is just something that culturally has just been lost. Can you, can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I know on, on our farm where I grew up in Michigan, we had cover crops, which are crops that are planted after after harvest, and they or they take off in the fall, and then they go dormant or die in the winter. Uh, and then if they don't die in the winter, certain some do, some don't. They then they'll grow again in the spring. So they're adding root mass, they're adding organic matter, they're adding porosity to the soil so water can infiltrate. But we had you know people did cover crops like uh, alfalfa or legumes or you know oats or wheat or something. Uh, so the land didn't sit there bare like it does today, um, you know. And and the really uh, thing that really makes me sick is is you you'll drive sometimes say in late October after the harvest and people have gone out and they've plowed or disked the soil, so they've they've exposed all the soil to the air. So you're losing carbon to the air. Uh, you know, it's, it's just it's insane. And so all the soil structure or the little um, aggregates of soil that are what provide for porosity, they're all falling apart, and you end up with just this uh, solid 
you know, a mass with no pores for water to infiltrate. So that was done. I mean, that was, you know, from the old country. They brought that here. But, you know, once um, during, I think it was World War One when they found out how to, to um, produce ammonia for the war, for bombs, and then they realized this could be used for fertilizer. You know, by the 50s, it was a big, you know, it was called a <clears throat> better life through chemistry, I believe, is what the, <laughs> how they put it back then. <clears throat> and um, you know, now we're now we're trying to push better agriculture through biology, rather than you know using what nature has put there for us to use, rather than trying to circumvent nature by applying all these uh, synthetic chemicals. Uh, so yeah. One, you know, no-till, and there's a lot of no-till in Iowa uh, where there's, you don't till the soil, you don't disc it, you just plant right into the residue from the year before. Uh, I think about a third of the state of crop, third of the state's cropland is under no-till. Uh, planting diverse crops, you know, instead of just corn, 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 with maybe now every now and then you plant beans or soybeans, but leaving the residues on the ground. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that. And it's, you know, I mentioned a few people in the book, but honestly, there are a lot of people that are really excited about this. And it's not a, it's not a nerdy operation at all. There's a lot of young farmers that are super excited. Okay. Rick, Kathleen, uh, you, uh, you retired from the USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service. <clears throat> did, um, did you and your group, uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, uh, did uh-huh. you did you battle back against the the uh, corporate interests that uh, I, uh, there's a backstory here? We had Art Cullen on uh, the show a, a while back, and and he tap danced all over what what Iowa was doing to their soil, mm-hmm. shipping it down uh, Mississippi to the uh, uh, New Orleans oh, algae plume. But it, in your role with the USDA, were, were you able to actually uh, make headway in, in moderating what uh, corporate agriculture was doing to Iowa soil? Yeah, I really think we did. And, you know, I, I mean, I had a lot of uh, complaints about working for the government. You know, every job has its downfall. But really, I felt like we were, we were accomplishing something. And I think they, they still are, you know, not just because not I left doesn't mean it all stopped. But... Um, yeah, we worked with uh, a number of groups and farmers, a lot of um, workshops. We'd go to different counties and do workshops, and farmers would come, and they'd learn about soil health. And also, um, I think today, like the Soybean Association and the Corn Producers, I can't remember the exact title of it, but they're all uh, on board. I mean, I know they're... Um, it's not it's not going to happen overnight sure and they are you know I, the farm bureau is they've been pushing no-till and i think they're finally coming around a little bit to uh, cover crops which is really a big thing because they have a lot of influence in this state oh without a doubt so, with um and ed let's let's go back here part what is the reason why you have so many acres as you were saying doctor that are left barren and open for the season. you got farmers that are farming way too many acres because they can't do what they're doing in the spring. And also, if I recall, uh, ammonia is cheaper in the fall, 
And so they put it down then, but by the time spring comes along, it doesn't have right. the punch that it does months earlier. So it drives right. me insane that they do this. It is. And not only does it have the punch, as the snow melts and you get runoff, it's carried off into the streams. I mean, it's it's just crazy. Um, and I understand, you know, it might be there's a lot to do if you're farming several thousand acres. Um you know, that's, maybe that's not the right way to be doing it. Oh, it's not, lost, but they'll tell you it is. We've lost so well, many farms in this state. Yeah, and, and if I could put on my academic hat here, um, <clears throat> which isn't very big, um, but the polite answer to some of this is that we have, and we have had since the inception of agriculture in this country, but particularly since World War II, We've got the wrong set of incentives in place. And it goes beyond just USD ag, ag policy. One of my big things is that when we eliminated the inheritance tax, that only meant that those who were born on third base had a running start um, in life. And we have done everything to make life simpler for the heir at law as opposed to the successor of, at, in the business. And, you know, then we got to talk about antitrust and a lot of different things. And that's not really where we're focused today. Um, and as far as the big commodity organizations, and I'll pick on the Farm Bureau, uh, this is window dressing. This is PR stuff that never started in those organizations. There's no history. Um, yeah. in, in the corn growers or the soybeans. These are exploitative commodity-producing, undistinguished commodity industries, and they can put all the PR stuff out there in, in the world. But if you want to get to the nut of, nub of the question, look at their legislative agendas. Yep. And mm -hmm. they're all for voluntary stuff. And they want the taxpayer to pick up the tab for the sins of private property owners. All right. Um, I got to catch this anyway, one point. Sorry. Yep. No problem. Kathleen, we have a minute left. Uh, it's customary to give our guests the last word. So why do you think knowing about Iowa soil and conservation is important in today's world? Well, it's absolutely important. Um, you know, in the next 50 years with population growing, we're going to need – as much food, we're going to have to produce as much food as we produced in the last 500 years. Just think about that. And, you know, in most of history, they've had great soils to work with. We're, we're working with, with soils that have been so degraded, and we have to come up with, you know, what is it, 10 times more food. Um, it's absolutely important because with climate change, you know, we've got two problems in Iowa. We've got droughts or we've got intense precipitations. In some summers, we have both. And the only way that, that farms are going to be able to be resilient to that is if they've got uh, cover crops on their on their fields. Um, you know, that's the only thing that's going to help. And so that, you know, for that reason, for the reason that we're losing uh, so many small farms, we're losing towns because of that, rural, rural towns. Okay. Um, uh, thank you very yeah. much. And when we come back, we'll wrap things up. So please stay tuned. This is ROI and KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. 
This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes our 456th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. The producer and engineer for our show is David Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme, which was written and performed by Mark Zap Zaptel. My name is John Keeley, and we would like to thank our noted guest, Dr. Kathleen Voida, author, adjunct professor at the University of Iowa, and retired member of the USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service, who talked with us about Iowa's remarkable soils, the story of our most valuable resource and how we can save it. The history bus for today's show are Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. Um, This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all our listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotso Pula Nala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night.